Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to episode 12. And I think we're going to be wrapping up Genesis today. And so we're going to hit uh, chapter 47, Genesis 47. And we see starting in verse 1. So Joseph went and informed Pharaoh, my father and my brothers with their flocks and their herds are all uh, that they own have come from the land of Canaan and are now in the land of Goshen. And so Joseph has informed Pharaoh that, okay, my whole crew is here now. And then uh, Pharaoh says in chapter or in verse five, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, now that your father and brothers have come to you, the land of Egypt is open before you. Settle your father and brothers in the best part of the land. They can live in the land of Goshen. If you know any capable men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. So we see that Pharaoh is continuing to bestow blessings on Joseph and his family. And because the Lord is watching over this. And it's important to recognize what Pharaoh has been doing because over the course of time, that's going to change with regard to the Egyptians attitude towards the, the, the Israelites in verse uh, seven. Uh, Joseph then brought his father, Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh. And so now Jacob is bringing Jacob. Now Joseph is bringing Jacob to Pharaoh and then uh, uh, Jacob blesses Pharaoh. And so we see that uh, this relationship is starts out very good. And um, in the in the grace and favor that is being shown uh, to, to Israel's family is amazing by the Egyptians. <clears throat> and so we go on in verse 28. Now, Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. And his lifespan was 147 years. When the time approached for him to die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor with you, put your hand under my thigh and promise me that you will deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt. Verse 30. When I rest with my fathers, carry me away from Egypt and bury me with their burial place or bury me in their burial place. Joseph answered, I will do what you have asked. And so it was very important for Jacob not to be buried, buried in this foreign land. He wanted to be buried with his ancestors. And so this was uh, very critical to him. And I think one of the things that it indicates is how much more of a, uh, an eternity perspective uh, some people have uh, than what we have today. What we have today, everybody thinks that we're living in the now because there is no tomorrow. And so therefore, we don't have a perspective of, of eternity, what happens after we die, uh, to realize that this is critical. But there was an awareness of that in, in the ancient of days. And so um, it's just something to think about. If we go on to chapter 49, we see that um, uh, then Jacob called to his sons and said, gather around and I will tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. And so what's about to happen is that Jacob is going to bless his sons. Now we see that this is a very critical thing that goes on in, uh, in, in, in ancient days where, where the patriarch, the father, before he passed away, 
would pass on the birthrights, if you will, to his sons. And so <clears throat> it's something that really struck me um, when I first started reading the word 20 or so years ago, 25 years ago, whenever it was, 30 years ago. And it's something that I have started to do with my boys to make sure that I pass on my blessing onto them, uh, that uh, the things that the Lord has blessed me with, I make sure that I pass that on to them, a mantle, if you will, so that they will have something covering them as they go through life when I'm no longer here. <clears throat> Hopefully that'll be a long time from now, but who knows? So we drop down in verse eight. So I'm going to skip over all of the blessings of the other sons of Jacob and concentrate on Judah because this is important. And um, uh, some of the other sons got kind of jacked up, you know, the, the prophecies, if you will, uh, relative to Judah. And you'll see what I mean. In verse eight, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the necks of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. Judah is a young lion, my son. You return from the kill. He crouches. He lies down like a lion or a lioness. Who dares rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah or the staff from between his feet until he whose right it is, until I always get this wrong, until he whose right it is comes and the obedience of the peoples belongs to him until he whose right it is comes. This is speaking and pointing towards David and then pointing towards Jesus because <clears throat> David uh, 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 comes from Judah. He comes from that line. And then Jesus eventually comes from that line. So this is pointing to that. And so we, so we see that, uh, that Jacob has essentially given Judah the mantle to usher in the coming of the king, if you will. And so as we move on, um, so this, this takes place, you know, he gives, he, he blesses all of the, uh, his 12 sons. And then in verse 29, it says, then he commanded them, I'm about to be gathered to my people. This is Jacob talking. Bury me with my father's in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite. This is the field Abraham purchased from Ephron the Hittite as burial property. Verse 31, Abraham and his wife Sarah are buried there. Isaac and his wife Rebekah are buried there. And I buried Leah there. Now this is interesting. And so what he's saying is, I want to be buried there and take me back and bury me essentially next to my wife. Now Leah is the one who was unloved by Jacob. And so we see that Rachel, the, the wife he did love, she was buried, um, well, she gave birth to, uh, gave birth to Benjamin uh, in, the, in the middle of travels, and then she would, was buried somewhere in, in between, you know, Bethlehem and somewhere else. And so, but Jacob didn't say, carry me and bury me with Rachel. He said, take me back to where Leah is buried. And yes, his other ancestors were there too, but it seems like Leah got her day in the end. And so he finally gave honor to her that she didn't get in life. That's kind of, that's kind of interesting. But anyway, in verse 32, the field and the cave uh, in it were purchased uh, from the Hittites. Verse 33, when Jacob had finished giving charges to his sons, he drew his feet into the bed, took his last breath and was gathered to his people. And so we see here that now Jacob has passed. 
and he um, he's gathered to his people. And so, <clears throat> but remembering, uh, Joseph remembering uh, what he had promised his father, that he would not bury him in Egypt. In verse 7 of chapter 50, it says, Then Joseph went to bury his father, and all Pharaoh's servants, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt went with him. Along with all Joseph's family, his brothers, and his uh, father's family. Only their dependents, their flocks, and their herds were left in the land of Goshen. Everybody else went. In verse 9, horses and chariots went up with them. It was a very impressive procession. So you have, you know, we have these processions today where we have a bunch of cars going to the burial site. It's essentially the same thing, except there were, you know, horses, chariots, you know, elders, a family, just an impressive processional going to bury Jacob. And in verse 12, it says, so Jacob's sons did for him what he had commanded them. He carried him or they carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave in the field near Mamre, which Abraham had purchased as burial property from Ephron the Hittite. And so they go and they honor Jacob. They did what they were supposed to do. They buried him where he wanted to be buried. And um, and that was that. And so then they returned to Egypt. And in verse 15, it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another, if Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the suffering we caused him. And so, you know, while everybody is still in a state of mourning, if you will, the brothers are concerned because they're thinking that, okay, our protector is gone because the one that kept us safe from their perspective is now dead. And so therefore, this brother that we wronged, he's going to come after us. He wants retribution. This is what they're thinking. And so uh, they go to him and uh, they send him this message in verse 16. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before uh, he died, your father gave a command. Say this to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's transgressions and their sin, the suffering they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transition of the servants of the God of your father. And so when Joseph got this, he wept, but Joseph wasn't really thinking about anything like that. And so Joseph brought them in and in verse 19, he said to them, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I not? Am I in the place of God? Verse 20, you plan evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. And we see here, Joseph has a revelation here because we know, oh, here's a phone ringer, because we know that vengeance belongs to the Lord. Vengeance doesn't belong to us. And so we cannot, so many times we want to take it upon ourselves in order to bring about a result against somebody who has done, done us wrong. And if we are really into the word and if we really believe what the word says, then we will know that vengeance belongs to the Lord and not us. And so when we take out vengeance on other people, it's because we don't believe the word. And so it's essentially a sign of disbelief that we don't believe 
that the Lord is going to act on our behalf and right the wrongs that have been done towards us. And so we feel like we have to do it ourselves. We feel like I need this satisfaction. And so that's a sign of unbelief. And so if you ever succumb to that, realize that you are not believing the word. And so, and it's a very difficult thing to do. I grant you that. Very, very difficult. But it's something that we're commanded to do. In verse 24, it says, Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. Now remember, Joseph is the second youngest. And so uh, he says, I am about to die. But God will certainly come to your aid and bring you up from this land to the land he swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob. So Joseph made the sons of Israel take an oath. When God comes to your aid, you are to carry my bones up from here. In verse 26, Joseph died at the age of 110. They embalmed him and placed him in a coffin in Egypt. And so, but he wasn't buried in Egypt. And we'll see later on that he gets carried out of Egypt. And they did, in fact, honor his desires and his wishes. And so with that, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for your word. I I thank you for everybody out there who's watching and listening to this, Father God. Father, I ask that you meet them where they are, that you address their concerns and their needs, Lord, and that they give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And with that, I want to uh, uh, make an appeal to you. Don't just watch or listen listen to what's going on here. Read. I'm doing about three to five chapters a day. And so read ahead or read afterwards. Because a lot of times you will not get what you need from the word just by listening to somebody else. Because the de- the details and the nuances, you know, I'm covering what I consider the highlights. But there are details and nuances that I'm not going over that may be critical to you. So make sure you take the time and make sure you spend the effort to get into the word and see what it says to you. And with that being